This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats Carrera and Michelle Smallman filling in for the boys. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Michelle, I have the opposite problem on the roller coaster. The bar does nothing for me because I'm so skinny that I could fall right out of the thing. Is this a flex? No, it's oh, not I'm a so flex. Skinny. A stiff breeze could knock me over. 5'10", 140 pounds. It's not a flex. Trust me, I look like a scarecrow walking around. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a roller coaster fan anymore, Stats. I used to be when I was a kid, but I think as an adult, you just start to weigh the risks over the rewards, and I don't know if, given the opportunity, I would love to go to an amusement park these days. Yeah, I had a dream that I fell out of a roller coaster once. I've never been on one since. Zero regrets. Uh, So that's that. In about five minutes or so, we're going to get to my list of the top five wide receivers in football. We've been debating it here all morning, or all day, I should say, on ESPN Radio. But before we get to that, Michelle, we need to welcome in Chris Burke, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst, because tonight is Game 3 of the Men's College World Series, Florida Gators, LSU Tigers in Omaha, Nebraska. Coverage begins on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Chris, thank you very much for a couple minutes today. My pleasure. First question, are you a roller coaster fan? <laughs> no. Smart man. See, I like that. No hesitation. Yeah, I, I, there was a period of my life where I tolerated roller coasters, and I'm just kind of totally over them now. So, like, no, I'm out. Well, Chris, this College World Series has certainly been a roller coaster. It's had all of the star power, all of the drama. We've had walk-offs, and we have the game tonight, Game 3, LSU in Florida. LSU seeking their first title since 2009, Florida seeking their second title in school history. As we approach this game tonight, what are some critical things that you're looking for in this matchup? Yeah, great question. I think, um, well, first I'm hoping that yesterday was, you know, just an anomaly, and today's going to be back to another nail-biter like we've had the entire series. Um, what I'm looking for first is how Jack Caglione does in the first. The Florida uh, two-way superstar tends to be very shaky early, and if he can get through that, he actually has fantastic numbers. And so his command early will be definitely something to follow as you're watching this game. Uh, his last start, he, he wiggled through four and a third, even though he walked three and hit three. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against this LSU lineup. So I think the key will be, can Jack Caglione just throw strikes and his stuff's good enough that he doesn't have to have uh, elite command. He just he, he literally just needs to throw strikes. The numbers against him are uh, very much in Florida's favor when uh, he puts the ball over the plate. The second thing is, if he does give LSU chances, can LSU capitalize? They, even though they're one and one in this championship series, a, a big theme of the first two games has been LSU's inability to to cash in with runners in scoring position. And so, um, something tells me Cags is going to give them some opportunities early. And so, can can LSU capitalize? I think those are two big early storylines to follow. Full disclosure, Chris, I am not an avid College World Series watcher. So, for someone like me who you know maybe doesn't follow it all year. Is there one person tonight that I should have my eye on? No, there's like six. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Dylan Cruz is um, the Golden Spikes Award winner, which is like college baseball's Heisman Trophy. He will be in center field batting second for LSU tonight. Uh, very good chance he'll be the first player taken. Uh, certainly will be in the top three. Uh, Jack Haglione, who's going to pitch for Florida, has a chance to be the first pick next year. Um, the Biggest storyline to watch tonight is Paul Skeens, who's 
the best pitcher in college baseball and has already made two legendary starts here in Omaha. He's on three days rest. They're not going to start him, but he will pitch tonight if the game is close late. And so it's got a chance to be some big time drama because Paul Skeens is much must see TV. I mean, he literally could be in major league ace like tomorrow. He's that good. Um, and so if the Tigers can, can get a lead or keep it close, the best pitcher in America will have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. And from a TV standpoint, we can't ask for much more than that. Well, Chris, you might have just answered my next question because I was going to say these two teams are absolutely chalked, filled with stars that are going to be mm-hmm. uh, seen at the major league level. But whose game do you think is going to translate the earliest? I guess you might have just answered it in Paul Skeens because he's a stud. But is there well, think, is, is it yeah, him or is there anyone else? Yeah, I think Paul Skeens is, is the one who's going to get there the, fir- the fastest and has a chance to be the biggest superstar at both. But I do think the uh, Gators center fielder, Wyatt Langford, um, has a chance to be a perennial all-star bat. The, yesterday he went five for five with six RBIs, a home run and two doubles. He's hit the farthest home run in the history of Charles Schwab Field already this week. He's actually hit the two farthest home runs. In the history of the stadium, he plays center field. He's going to be one of the top three picks. Um, and so, you know, him, Cruz, Skeens, uh, we literally probably have the top three picks in the major league draft on the field tonight. So there's a there's a ton of reasons to watch, just the drama of a national championship, but also so much star power. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats Guerrero, Michelle Smallman talking a little College World Series with Chris Burke, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst. Chris, where would you rank this College World Series in terms of recent history? Just the craziness of the whole thing. Is this the craziest you've seen? Yes. I mean, we've had so many outliers happen here this week, and we have eight one-run games. That's only happened twice. We Yesterday we had two home runs hit over 50 degrees launch angle, which, sorry to sound all nerdy, but like literally those are the two highest home runs ever recorded from a height standpoint. We had an inside-the-park home run. We've had three guys. Uh, throw 100 miles an hour. We had a 17-game, eight-inning strikeout performance by Ty Floyd. Uh, we had the three Golden Spikes finalists. I mean, it, it, it's been an incredible series, and so we're hoping for one more memorable moment tonight. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern time. Chris Burke, thank you very much. Appreciate it. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive offers a great price and around-the-clock protection when bundling home and auto. It's one of those rare times when you could save money and get something great. Bundle today at Progressive.com. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Prescott has had a fantastic... Windows my whole career. want to win the Super Bowl. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them, the top five wide receivers. It is time for ESPN Rank Them. All day we've been ranking the top five wide receivers in the NFL here on ESPN Radio. And it's time to get our top five list from Rob Stats Guerrera. Stats, who do you have coming in at number five? Number five. Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. I don't know why people don't love this guy. 
You want 1,000 yards, you want 10 touchdowns. That's a good year from your wide receiver, right? Well, guess what? Mike Evans has done that almost every single season he's been in the NFL. It doesn't matter what's happening with the team. It doesn't matter if it's an offensive head coach, a defensive head coach. He is like the Postal Service. Neither rain, nor sleet, nor snow is going to keep Mike Evans from giving you 1,010 touchdowns. Mike Evans, great player, stats. I don't know if he's making it onto a lot of people's top five list currently. He's That's not. an interesting pick, but I like your rationale. All right, let's head to number four. Who does Stats number four. have as a top five wide receiver? Number four. Go ahead, Stats. A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. Doesn't matter that he's in a run-first system with the Eagles. It didn't matter that he was in a run-first system with the Tennessee Titans. The man produces. He had over 1,500 yards last year, or right around 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. He averaged almost 20 yards per catch. I know we all love Jalen Hurts now, but part of the reason we do is because of what A.J. Brown does with the ball after he catches it from Jalen Hurts. It was tough to not to put him higher, but I have him at number four. And Stats, he makes some of those catches, those tight window catches that you just don't see a lot of other guys doing. He's such a weapon. He's really been such a great asset to Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense. Okay, number three for Stats. Number three. I know a lot of people are not going to like this, but I'm standing by it. Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. He is on the Jerry Rice track. That is the greatest compliment I can give. He led the NFL in receptions and yards last year. 106 yards per game for Justin Jefferson. Everybody knows he's the guy to stop with Minnesota, and nobody can stop him. He has never had less than 1,400 yards in a season in his career. Number three for Justin Jefferson. Stats. I I think a lot of people have him at number two or number one. I was very big on proven track records, and this is not a knock on Justin Jefferson, but the two guys I had ahead of him have a longer history of production, plus they've done it with multiple quarterbacks. And I do weight that a lot, because if you can do it with multiple quarterbacks, it's not just a favorable thing of, oh, well, you happen to land with Patrick Mahomes or you happen to land Mm -hmm. with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure a lot of people want to join in on the conversation on the Canteen Carlin call in line 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776 if you want to talk to stats about his list here. So just to recap, number five, Mike Evans. Number four, A.J. Brown. Number three, Justin Jefferson. Let's get to number two. Number two, Tyreek Hill in Miami. (laughs) Tyreek Hill leaves Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, like I just said, and then he has career highs in catches and yards over 1,700 yards last season. It's like I said with Justin Jefferson. He's the guy everybody wants to stop. Nobody can do it. And now you can't just say, well, he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. He had multiple quarterbacks in Miami, not just Tua. Didn't matter. Tyreek Hill, second best receiver in the league. He is so dangerous, Stats. He is so fast. The efficiency numbers through the roof. 3.7 yards for every route run. We talked about these other wide receivers. We mentioned A.J. Brown and how he elevated Jalen Hurts. What about what Tyreek Hill did for Tua? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel knows how to use him to create space in Miami, which is something he did uh, when he was in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. He knows that system. He knows how to maximize what guys can do, and it's worked out perfectly. It has been a fantastic marriage on the football field for the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. 
Stats has Justin Jefferson number three, Tyreek Hill at number two. A lot of people would put either one of those players at number one on their top five wide receivers list. All right, Stats, we've arrived at number one. Who you got? Number one. Devontae Adams. What? He was great in Green Bay, and guess what? He was great with the Raiders last year, and I can't think of a bigger downgrade than going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Devontae Adams did it. Did not matter. He led the league in touchdowns with 14. He's had at least 1,500 yards the last two seasons. And of the 14 touchdowns, Michelle, and I love this stat, nine of those were at least 30 yards. So he's not just you know catching passes at the one-yard line. He's making plays. He's making big plays that led the league in touchdowns of 30 yards or more. I love Devontae Adams. He's the best wide receiver in the league. So to recap, Rob Stats Guerrero's top five wide receivers in the NFL. He has Mike Evans checking in at number five, A.J. Brown at number four, Justin Jefferson clocks in at number three, Tyreek Hill, and sitting at the top of the throne, according to Rob Stats Guerrero, is Devontae Adams. And Stats, as you can imagine, the phone line's lighting up. We have some people who would like to pick a few bones with you. Let's start with Joe in Canada. Joe, who is missing from Stats' list here? I think uh, Mr. Diggs is the one missing glaringly. Um, I think he can replace Evans pretty easily, and I do think J.J. should be number one. How can you blame it on him that he hasn't done it for very long? He's done it from the second he walked in the door. He hasn't done it for very long, but if guys have, I have to give them more credit. I do agree, Joe, that Stefan Diggs was hard to leave off the list. He was very hard to leave off the list, but he's only had two years of double-digit touchdowns. Touchdowns matter a lot to me. I know some people don't care. I like guys that score touchdowns. Maybe that's just how we're different. I don't know. We have a couple other names, stats, that weren't on the list. Some other omissions. I know a lot of people checking in and wondering, what about Jamar Chase? Where does he fall on your list? Jamar Chase was also very tough to leave off, and it was just a matter of the longevity thing with me. That's it. He's incredible. He was fantastic in 2021 as a rookie. He was good in 2022. Not amazing, not as good as he was as a rookie. He was good. I think defense has adjusted a little bit, and I think he'll make an adjustment next year and put up a monster year, and if he does, he will absolutely be on the list, but he just he only has two years in the league, and I, I like longevity. I value longevity, so that's why I left him off. Now, another thing that you probably took into account as you're surveying the careers and the seasons of these five players is their quarterbacks. That matters a lot when it comes to wide receiver production. So when you look at these five players, who do you think has the best quarterback situation? The, well, I know it's I know it's not Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams, that's for sure. <laughs> I got to go Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown. Yeah. He's so dynamic. He's such a threat. I think you can clearly see him improving as a passer. I don't think he's reached his ceiling there. I think they're going to be able to do some fun things in Philly. You know, we, we kind of just take for granted, oh, is A.J. Brown's first year in the system. Like, yeah, that's not easy to do. I think Philly's going to be ultra creative this year. And so I would say A.J. Brown is probably in the best quarterback situation. Okay, A.J. Brown has the best quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts. Which of these five has the worst quarterback situation? Oh, it's got to be Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. Take (laughs) your pick. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. They couldn't throw the ball into the ocean. No, thank you. Mike Evans is going to get stuck with another bad quarterback. But like I said earlier, I've seen him do it with Josh McCown, so he'd still probably go for 1,010 touchdowns. Okay, and I want to give you a crystal ball stats because 
We're looking at the top five wide receivers entering the 2023 NFL season. But which wide receiver do you think we'll be talking about at the top of your list at this time next year? As we turn the page to the 2024 season, I know that's a tough forecast because a lot can happen. Injuries, different trades. We don't know exactly what's going to happen this season. But if you had to pick somebody, who do you think we'll be talking about this time next year? I think Justin Jefferson is going to be one next year. As long as he produces the way he has produced for the Minnesota Vikings, if that happens again, I don't know how you keep him off. That would be four years with at least 1,400 yards. His season last year goes underrated. He had the sixth most yards anybody has ever had in a single season in football history and the seventh most catches. I mean, when you're producing at that level, to me, he would absolutely be number one if he kept it up. Okay, to recap, Rob Stats Guerrero's ESPN Rankum Top 5 Wide Receivers. And again, we've been ranking the top five wide receivers all day here on ESPN Radio. And if you have an issue with this list after I read it, give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Stats has Mike Evans checking in at number five, A.J. Brown at four, Justin Jefferson in the three spot, Tyreek Hill, and then at the top of the list, he has Devontae Adams. Why'd you have to say it like that? Because I'm just surprised it's not Justin Jefferson, my friend. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you're casting doubt. The rest <laughs> of ESPN Radio should be thanking me for providing the perfect list. Like, all the shows after, don't even have to worry about it. Just repeat this list and you'll be fine. I don't see... I didn't like that voice at the end there, Michelle. I know um, we're embracing debate here. We're just embracing debate. Devontae Adams definitely deserves to be on this list. I would have just had him at three or below. That's all I'm saying. Chris Canty had him at three. We talked about that a little earlier in the show. But coming up next, we're actually going to go back to the NBA because Damian Lillard is meeting with the Blazers to figure out his future. And I'm going to tell you the one question you can ask Dame Lillard that will tell you exactly what the Blazers should do next. We'll get to it. It's Chris uh, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. It would actually be the perfect timing for Portland to move on now that they do have the heir apparent. I hear a lot of speculation around yeah. Draymond Green and Dame Lillard spending a lot of time together. Can that be possible for Golden State? The best thing he can do is leave the Trailblazers because maybe he can go somewhere where he has the shot at the championship he obviously wants. If Damian Lillard says, I don't think we can win with this roster, then I'm going to say, well, it's your choice. Do you want out? And let him make the decision right there. 
Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Rob Statz-Guerrero and Michelle Smallman filling in for the boys today. Michelle, in about 15 minutes, we're going to hear one of the worst food takes I've ever heard mm-hmm. in 3 and Out. I was stunned when I heard it in the break, and you were too. I am actually, un- I'm nervous, Stats, to unleash this take on America. <laughs> it's going to cause a big problem. And it is simply, as you mentioned, one of the worst food takes I've ever heard. I, st- I don't even know how I'm going to recover from what I just heard in the break in order to talk about the NBA here. Yeah, we'll have to soldier on. We'll be professional. <laughs> like I said, that's coming up in about 15 minutes. But I teased that there is one question that you can ask Damian Lillard as he is meeting with the Blazers, he could be meeting with them at this very moment, Michelle, for all mm-hmm, we know. Mm-hmm. And the one question is this. I sit him down at the, I assume they're going to eat, right? You got to have some sort of dinner at this meeting. Is that safe to say? I think there's drinks involved. Right. Yeah. There's, Stressful topic. Let's get some cocktails going. Absolutely. And maybe, you know, maybe you wait until a couple cocktails have been served <laughs> to ask this question. But I just sit him down very simply and I say, Dame, what is the most important thing to you right now? Is it winning or is it staying in Portland? Because if he says winning, then he's got to go. That's it. Because they're not in a position to win a title next year. So you are his agent, Aaron Goodwin, in this scenario, not Portland's front office, because that's who he's meeting with, his agent and the front office in Portland. So I'm assuming you're taking the agent's role here. Actually, I think you could go both, believe it or not. I think his agent could ask him that, and I think that the Blazers should ask him that because they need to know. They need to know which direction they are going. There's nothing on there's nothing worse than uncertainty in life. It's the worst. If the news is bad, okay, I will deal with it, but I don't like to be in limbo. And if you're Portland, you're in a really precarious situation because You did the right thing with that number three overall pick by picking Scoot Henderson, best player available, a guy that is definitely going to extend your window in the future. But you didn't go out and flip that pick for some veteran help for Damian Lillard. So you made a stance there, right? And you know that your team is better with Dame in the fold, but you also know if he really wants to win, that's not going to happen immediately in Portland. Maybe Scoot comes along faster than you expect. He certainly has a lot of talent, but it's kind of one of those things, stats, where if you love him, let him go. And if they come back, maybe it's meant to be. But he has been so loyal to them. He has been so unbelievably loyal to that organization. And everything he's said publicly up until this point is that he wants to stay there, that he has no intention of leaving, even though all those little social media teases have been out there with Jimmy posting the Dame Dalla song on Instagram and and Dame going live on Instagram and you hear Welcome to Miami in the background. There's yep. a lot of little you know breadcrumbs that are connecting him to the Miami Heat out there, not to mention all the reports that there are mutual interests between the Miami Heat and Damian Lillard. But up until this point, he has said nothing but I want to stay in Portland. However, I do think he's at an incredibly difficult juncture because he has to decide, do I really want to stay here? Am I comfortable with my situation here, knowing that I might not be in the conversation to win immediately? It might take a couple years and I might have to undergo a bit of a rebuild or is now the time to walk away? Even though I have great affection for the city and for this franchise, is now the time for me to go somewhere like a Miami Heat and really have a shot at winning an NBA title? 
Rob Stats Guerrero, Michelle Smallman here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, talking about the future of Damian Lillard. And if you're Dame, what are you so afraid of leaving? That would be my question with you. Look, after you retire, if you want to move back to Portland, great. It'll be there for you. You can spend the rest of your days there. But I just think if you are Dame Lillard, let's say five years after your career ends, what are you going to regret more? Are you going to regret leaving Portland and trying to chase that ring? Or are you going to regret staying in Portland knowing that you've probably made it much more difficult for you to win a championship? And this is where I can't, you know, obviously speak on his thought process, but I respect the loyalty because it is so rare in professional sports these days. And I don't expect players to be loyal to organizations when they're certainly not loyal to them. Once they think that your value has been maxed out, they will move on from you before you can even realize what's happening. So to have a player be so dedicated to a city and to a franchise, I really admire it. But you get into this stats to win the big one. You get into this to collect some hardware, to put up some banners. And when it hasn't happened and the franchise that you thought it was going to happen in and you realize that you have a finite amount of time left in your career and you're looking around and all your peers are hopping from organization to organization to pair up with their buddies and they're putting together these big threes and these super teams and it's making it harder for you to win. If I see a clear path towards a team that I know, if I'm Damian Lillard, is going to allow me to directly compete for a championship this season, I'm going. I'm writing a beautiful goodbye letter to Portland. I'm putting it in the paper. I'm making a donation or something. And I'm saying, thanks for everything. But you've made your choice, and so did I. I'm with you. The next chapter, right? We can see that by Damian Lillard. And he should, or if he doesn't want to do that, that's fine too. Every player's got to decide what their list of priorities are. And it's not always championships at the top for everybody. And that's fine. But then just end the speculation. Just say you are staying and that is it. And he hasn't done that yet. But if it's also not a championship at the top of everyone's list, then I'm questioning that player. Because if you're the franchise, if you're the face of this franchise, which he has been for many years, don't you want to win above everything else? And I know he wants to do that there, but that might not be feasible for him. I want a player that wants to win at all costs, even if that means making a really difficult decision about their future. But don't we already know that now? Just isn't the fact that he hasn't said, I want out enough of this. Doesn't that tell you that maybe it's not, he's not, you know, that elite tier one kind of championship or at all costs kind of guy. Or maybe he is just so deeply entrenched in that organization and is aware of their plans that he really does think that there is maybe another move out there to be made for Portland. And he really thinks that they're going to be able to field a team that allows them to be in that conversation. Maybe this is what they're telling him tonight at this meeting stats when he and his agents is down with the front office. Maybe they know exactly what he wants and they're going to find out a way to get it done. I don't know if they can, but maybe they say the right things. I don't know what that move could be. Like if I you're the, if you're the Blazers, what is the move that you have in your back pocket when you say, "Don't worry, Dame, everything's good because we're going to do this." And and this, by the way, for playing Mad Libs and filling in the blank, is going to make us on par with Golden State or Phoenix right. or Denver or Miami or Boston. The list goes on because I don't see that impact move out there for them either. 
It's and it's definitely not a one move thing. I don't think no. there's any single transaction that would vault them over those other teams. So I agree. It's a very murky situation, but that's what I would say to Dame. What is the most important thing on your list? Is it winning or is it staying in Portland? Because no matter what he says, you have a clear path forward. You know exactly what you should do. Straight ahead, we're going to play a little three and out, and it's going to include Michelle. One of, if not the worst food take I have ever heard. That's next. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Time to earn some cash. The taste of money. The smell of wealth. Canty and Carlin's best play of the night. The taste of money. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats Carrera and Michelle Smallman in for the boys. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, Michelle, it's time for play of the night. And as you know, I am a long-suffering Seattle Mariners fan. And for once, that's going to work to my advantage a little bit. Here's my play of the night. Nationals at Mariners. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a little parlay. Luis Castillo is on the mound for the Mariners. You can bet the over-under on outs recorded for Luis Castillo. It's 18.5 right now. I'm going to take the over on that because Castillo's a great pitcher. Six and a third innings. He's going to last six and a third innings, but I'm also going to take the Nationals to win the game because if there's one thing I have learned in my 38 years on this planet, Michelle, always bet on the Mariners to lose. (laughs) So I'm taking both of those. You get plus 900 odds. The Mariners are going to Mariner tonight against the Nationals. I'm sorry that that's the way you approach these things, stats, that you've just been hurt so much that you would rather bet on your team to lose than have the hope that they would win. Look, you can hope all you want, but if I'm <laughs> talking money in my wallet, you got to bet on statistics, and statistically, the Mariners lose. It is what they do. They've been hovering around 500 all year this year. I'm going to take Castillo over 18 and a half outs recorded. That's six and a third innings, and I'm going to take the Mariners to lose to the Washington Nationals. All right. Now let's go to three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. We begin in the association because the Atlanta Hawks Made a trade today. They made a move to get a little financial flexibility. They are trading John Collins to the Jazz. Sources told ESPN the Hawks are going to get Rudy Gay and a future second-round pick for Collins, who's owed $78 million over the next three seasons. More importantly for Atlanta, Michelle, they get a $25.3 million trade exception. That is the largest in the NBA, so the Hawks are going to have some flexibility to do some things. Do you think they need to, and can you win a championship with Trey Young as your team's best player? I don't know, stats. And I think they're going to need that financial flexibility to add around him because do I think you can win with Trey Young on your team? Yes. He's a, he's a good, strong NBA player. With him as the best player on your team... I don't think so. Especially when you're looking at some of these superstars in the NBA and the supplementary players that they have. Uh, I mean, when you're talking about Trey Young and 
Are, are we talking Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal? You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't think it's just him as the number one player on a team. I think it's the star power that we have on all of these other teams that are going to be problematic for him. If you could find a way to have Trey Young be your second best player on your team, then you've really got a good team. But I'm amazed that someone that's looked as good as he has in the regular season has struggled so much in the playoffs. At one point, he was 8 for 49 from 3. I'm stunned by this because I love so much about his game. I love, too, that he has so much belief in himself and in his team. You know, he's tweeting, we're next. So I guess it starts with you believing that you can do it, right? It starts with you, but belief alone can't get it done, contrary to what Ted Lasso would have you believe. (laughs) All right, let's get to number two in three and out. And that is an anniversary of sorts, because 20 years ago today, June 26, 2003, LeBron James was drafted into the NBA. And not just LeBron, Michelle, one of the best draft classes in NBA history. It is. You had Dwayne, you had a lot of star power in that draft stats, but I'm looking right now at the picture, and as good as the talent is in this picture, the suits are even worse. The suits are as bad as the talent is good. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in 2003 that they thought that these baggy suits looked great. It's the long jacket, it's the baggy pants with you know the the not tailored cuff on the end. Dwayne Wade said that it was the baggy era and that they got enough fabric on these suits to clothe the entire country, and I have to agree with him. I'm sure they look back on those pictures and they say well what were we thinking with these suits you think it's 20 years ago and you see the suits and it feels like 50 years ago in case you need a refresher lebron james one to cleveland darko milicic to the pistons at two carmelo anthony three chris bosh four Dwayne wade five that is an incredible top five in one single draft and what what would those guys have said on that night if you would have told LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, hey, one day you guys are going to pair up and you're actually going to be able to take home some hardware? You're going to win a couple championships. And oh, by the way, LeBron's still going to be playing in 2023. <laughs> totally. It's unreal that he's been able to play not only this long, but at this level for this long. Every single thing about LeBron's career has been amazing. But, Michelle... Speaking of amazing, we have to get to number three on three and out. The single worst food take I have ever heard. Today is National Chocolate Pudding Day. And you and I were like, hey, that's pretty cool. Chocolate pudding. And all of a sudden, our producer, Shannon Penn, from the other room says, Shannon? Chocolate pudding is trash. Matter of fact, all pudding is trash. It's awful. How does pudding taste wet and grimy and chalky at the same time. How is that possible? What does it do for you? Where's the consistency at? No, miss me with chocolate pudding. Okay, Shannon, first of all, what? Second of all, (laughs) it's not as if you're going to a restaurant and you're looking at the dessert menu and you're saying, oh, do you guys have any chocolate pudding? We're talking snack packs here, okay? It is a supplement to your lunch. If you're opening up the lunchbox, you got the turkey sandwich, you got the Mm -hmm. chips, and maybe you got a snack pack in there. Mm -hmm. Stash, let me ask you, are you a fan of uh, chocolate pudding? I am. Are you a fan of tapioca? No. Are you a fan of vanilla pudding? No. My point exactly, pudding is trash. It's chocolate pudding. Flavor matters when we're talking food, okay? it's deli- Who hurt you, Shannon? Who hurt you? I'll take Jello over chocolate pudding any day. Oh, my gosh. What? Stand Jell-O. on it. You know what? What are we? 
at a hospital and <laughs> we only have one thing available and it's Jello, you know, Shannon, you get to choose. You get to walk down the aisle and make your own selections. Look, we've been doing top five lists all day, and guess what? Chocolate pudding wouldn't be on the dessert top five, nowhere near it. Wouldn't even be on the top twenty-five list. Yeah, but don't get upset when chocolate pudding is around. That's what I don't understand. I can't. Chocolate work pudding with you is anymore. the Darko Milicic of the pudding of the pudding and dessert draft. How dare you? Joe and Amber are next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.